Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Start of a new week, Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. As we get things started today, we remind you that the C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Sometimes more is just better, like double the high-speed data from prepaid by C Spire for both new and current customers for a limited time. Plus, you can get a free Samsung Galaxy A10e when you bring your phone number from another carrier. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid. What a weekend in the state of Mississippi. It was not without drama. It was not without uh, tenseness at times. But uh, it is a weekend that ultimately uh, brought the end to the current state flag and uh, will at least uh, lay the groundwork for ushering in a new flag for the Magnolia State. We've spent plenty of time talking about this over the last couple of weeks. It all came to a, uh, a conclusion yesterday, although there's still more to be done in terms of adopting a new flag. Uh, the, uh, the the vote that made everything possible happened on Saturday. They were able to, uh, with very, very little margin, uh, reached the two-thirds threshold to uh, get to the uh, ability to suspend the rules, and then yesterday, with a simple majority vote, were able to uh, fairly easily uh, pass the um, the new flag bill and uh, kind of lay the groundwork out for that. Before we get into all of that and kind of some of the details of it, I will ask you, how was your weekend? It was good. Played golf for the first time in a really long time. How'd that go? It was great. Course was in good shape, although the greens had been punched uh, probably two weeks ago or so at, uh, at yeah. Dancing Rabbit. But they rolled okay, good enough uh, to reflect that I uh, am still not a great putter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of those rounds, man. I mean, I hadn't played in a long time, and, and I had no blow-up holes. I, I lost one ball, pushed a drive out to the right, and, and lost the ball. But otherwise, I think one bogey on the card, one birdie, uh, shot eight over. So, I, I mean, I felt really good. And I hit probably the best shot I've ever hit in my entire life, not even being hyperbolic. I, did it go in? It did not. So eight <laughs> on the uh, well, eight on the on the oak side is um, drivable for some par four. A little downhill. Uh, the laser said it was three oh five to the pin, and uh, there's a little bit of breeze in my face. So I took a driver and one of those shots where like I'm not good enough to sit on a tee and say, hey, I'm going to cut this one. But I try to do it anyway because I used to be able to do that. I stood on the tee knowing that, hey, look, you hit a little cut here, aim it on the left side, you can cut it right back because that's my natural ball flight, and hit this on the green. I hit the most beautiful baby fade exactly the way I wanted to hit it, where I wanted to hit it, 
knocked it to 10 feet on a drivable par 4. Now, I missed the putt, but still, that's probably the best shot I ever hit in my life. There you go. Not bad for the uh, first time you have uh, played this year, huh? No, I'll take it, man. It felt really good. And, uh, again, course is in good shape, so... uh, it was one of those shots and one of those days, you know what people say, you can be awful, but you hit one shot that makes you go back. Uh, that was the one. There you go. Hey, Dad, what's up, man? How was the weekend? It was good. It was good. Didn't do a whole mu- a whole bunch, but uh, you know, other than you know, try to keep up with what was going on at the legislature. Uh, but uh, it was it was good to be, just be at home. How was the jambalaya? It was all right. It wasn't the best. Uh, I followed the recipe exactly as I was supposed to, but it, it just it didn't come out the way I thought it would. So it was, it was just all right. So, so all right. So, what was the issue? What like what would have made it better than what it? How the it rice turned was out? a little. The rice came out a little, little hammered, man. It was a little, little mushy. Mm. So I don't know. I didn't. I didn't put any more liquid in the pot than the recipe called for. But there's a fine line with rice, isn't there? Oh, uh, it's you got to be careful. Yeah, it, it, it's mm. either there's like over here is crunchy. Over here is mushy, and then right here is there. It is doesn't really hurt here, and it doesn't really <laughs> hurt here. Just right, right in here. Nope, don't know what it is. Yep. Well, uh, we are glad to have you along uh, for the ride this afternoon. Uh, it was Saturday afternoon when uh, first the House uh, voted um, with just a little bit of wiggle room. I think there were uh, five votes. Uh, that was kind of the margin. Uh, to reach that two-thirds majority, uh, or excuse me, not the two-thirds majority, but the two-thirds threshold to uh, to be able to suspend the rules, and then it went to the House, and there was one vote extra. They needed 35. They got 36 in the House to uh, suspend the rules, and then everybody uh, was able to kind of cut out for a break on Saturday night. After cutting out for a uh, break on Saturday night, came back, uh, I think, think, if I've got the times right, the uh, House uh, reconvened at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, and then the uh, Senate reconvened about uh, about 2.30. Uh, there was some discussion in both legislative bodies before ultimately uh, having the uh, the vote uh, where they simply needed a majority, and ultimately what they, uh, they passed was this, that the uh, current state flag would come down, that it would be retired, and that a commission would be formed that would put a new state flag on the ballot in November. The commission will consist of nine people, three appointed by Governor Tate Reeves, three appointed by the Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, and three appointed by the Lieutenant Governor, Delbert Delbert Hoseman. So a total of nine people will work between now and the middle of September to come up with a single option for the flag. There are only two requirements. One requirement, it cannot contain the Confederate battle flag. Requirement number two, it must contain the words or the phrase, in God we trust. Those are the only requirements. That flag will be submitted to, um, I, I guess, ultimately the Secretary of State's office on or before September 14th, and then it will be on the ballot and a simple yes or no vote. Do you vote yes or no to approve the design that the commission comes up with as the new state flag? If it gets 50% plus one vote, then it will be adopted as the new state flag in November. November 3rd is Election Day. And if um, you don't get enough votes, then they will go back to the drawing board. And as I understand it, the commission would then submit a new flag alternative to the legislature. Is that piece of it? That was the only thing I was not entirely clear about. 
It, it, I, I know I know it has to be submitted to the legislature, but my question is, would the legislature then vote yes or no on it, or would it go back to another ballot initiative that would have to be approved by the entire state at some point down the line? I believe that the latter is correct there. They would bring another design forward and bring that to the people. Okay. that That's the only thing I was not entirely sure of, and maybe some of you can uh, can help me out on that. Uh, on the ceasefire text line, um, I, I don't want this. You know, as we talk about this today, um, if you've been listening to the show, you clearly know where the the three of us stand, and we know where many of you stand. Some of you were were for the idea of changing the flag. Some of you were vehemently against the idea of changing the flag. But this is not. We're not doing a victory lap deal. This is not a gloating over a win. But I do think that a lot of people, a lot of people in the state of Mississippi feel like ultimately the weekend was a very, very good, positive, necessary, and momentous occasion for the entire state of Mississippi. That's a very fair assessment. Uh, I think that, and, and you know, sort of the same thing I, I talk about in the past about, you know, how Twitter can become like an echo chamber. I follow a ton of people that were for changing the flag. So you look at my Twitter timeline, and it's, it seems like it's, it's, it's an easy call. You know, some people might might disagree. I certainly got some disagreement in my mentions uh, as the weekend went by. But it did seem, to me at least, like that I, I agree with you, Richard, that the majority of this state is happy that this has happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we get a text message Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Tim and Tupelo says we sh- we still should have more than one choice on the ballot. Yeah, I agree well, with that. I think it's just about not muddying the waters. Yeah. And and you will have the opportunity if you don't like the design that is presented, then you will have the opportunity to not vote for it. And then if enough people say no, don't like that as the option for the state of Mississippi, then we will get another design. I guess, Borky, the problem is if if you put multiple designs, two, three, four, five, whatever the number is, how do you then decide what the vote threshold? Is it just whichever flag gets the most votes becomes the flag, even if it's only 30%? Or let's say it's 26% of the people vote for one particular flag, and then you've got three other designs that get... Yeah, I can't do the math. Do it exactly how you do an election. If there's three people running for the same position and nobody gets 50%, then you, you have take a the runoff. top two vote getters and, and have a runoff. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Borky for Senate. There you go. Well, um, <laughs> Josh and Clinton says you would have to do a runoff in, in that scenario. Yeah, and I guess that would be okay. Um, I don't have a, a particular problem. I know there are people who are kind of pushing back on the idea of in God we trust being on the, the flag, but I think that was. That was part of the negotiations. I mean, we, we mentioned last week somewhere. there was a lot of horse trading, and I think that is what was necessary in the eyes of the legislature to uh, get the deal done to uh, to be able to move forward. All right. We'll take a time out. We'll get into the sports world when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Quick perusal of the ceasefire text line, then we will move on to uh, some other things that are going on. Uh, somebody says, Speaker of the House Philip Gunn stated on uh, the Gallo show this morning that if the flag proposal gets voted down in November, 
Uh, there would be another vote with a different proposal, and there would continue to be a new vote with a new proposal until the proposed flag gets passed by the people. Okay, so that's good. Uh, Mike suggests give us five to eight designs at the top two in a runoff if nobody gets the majority. That way it is now a no-vote meeting. Well, I mean, wh- whatever you think it should be, the legislature has spoken. They've got a process in place. So, and we can, I guess, after disagreeing on whether or not the flag should stay or go, now there's a new thing to uh, disagree about. But uh, process is in place, and that's uh, what we uh, what we've got. Uh, Roger and Ryanzi sends us a, a picture of a uh, checkered flag, like you would uh, see waved at the uh, start finish line of a, a race. He says this is his vote. Uh, Fair enough. Jeff in Hattiesburg says, now that the flag is being changed, what will the excuse you guys use as to why Ole Miss and Mississippi State can't recruit as well as Alabama? I just said, "Mm, they're better. That's a fair. But I don't know if that qualifies as an excuse. (laughs) That's not even an excuse. That's just a fact of life. I don't know if anybody on this show has used the state flag as the reason why uh, Ole Miss and State don't recruit to that level. I was actually thinking about that earlier today, and it's not that this necessarily changes anything. I'm not sure that you get guys based on this decision, but it eliminates a uh, a roadblock. Yeah, one less painful conversation you have to have. Yeah. Uh, BJ in Hattiesburg points out that In God We Trust is also on the state state seal. Yes. Uh, Jeff says, uh, I know some people that were against getting rid of the state flag until they found out the phrase In God We Trust would be on the new one. Here's a message that said, I've never seen a radio host be so out of touch with his listening audience. 60 to 65% oppose the flag change, which is why they wouldn't let it go to a vote. I don't know where he got the numbers I tend to disagree with your numbers, but I'm sure you've run polling to uh, get those numbers. It'll be okay. Uh, Okay, you guys got what you wanted, so shut the H up about the D flag. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey in Tupelo uh, makes a good point. He says, just keep the people who designed the car tags away from the design team. <laughs> Giant yellow flag running up the uh, the flagpole there. <laughs> yeah. Jacob Equipment says he believes the right decision was made. Jim in the Delta says, what about the rest of the people? Where is the inclusion? Somebody says, move on before we move, uh, move more listeners, Richard. Okay. We will move on. Not because you told us to, but because I told you right out of the gate. We weren't going to... You've been blackmailed uh, the way the NCAA blackmailed this state. Way to go, Richard. I will just say this. This is is the equivalent of stick to sports guy. Um, There's not been a bigger story in the state of Mississippi in maybe a decade. Maybe longer than that. Than what we went through this weekend. It was covered on every major media outlet that even loosely covers politics. You could not avoid it, no matter where you looked or where it was. And And a whole bunch that cover sports. Absolutely. I mean, you had uh, Kermit Davis made his rounds on on ESPN platforms today. It's everywhere. You, You can't escape it, and it's all good. I mean, with the exception of some people that just are so miserable that even though they agree with the decision, they pull the, well, you shouldn't be celebrating because it took too long card, and I feel really bad for those kind of people. Otherwise, Mississippi was positive, national, and sometimes international good news for, like, two full days. When's the last time that's happened? Yeah, I don't know. 2014, when you had Ole Miss and Mississippi State both playing at a really high level in football? Yeah, didn't even approach this level, though. No. No. Uh, Tim says, in God we trust, is going to offend some people, although he put a uh, pejorative in there to describe those people. 
Look, I mean, it's reality. Yes, there are some people that are going to be offended by that, but there are people that are going to be offended by anything. Just just true. Uh, If you... Okay, just ease up on the F-bombs in the text line. I mean, you can make your point without that. I bet they can't. Well, then... Go back to vocabulary school and learn a few more words. Well, here's you think a, it's going to stop with the flag? You're stupid. Here's a, a an actually thought out response to that. So I thought a lot about that over the weekend, and it, I I know that there's precedent that shows that that sentiment can be wrong if you do it the right way. So the state of South Carolina, where I grew up, used to have the Confederate flag hanging from the state house, waving above the state house. And they also uh, were banned from hosting predetermined postseason events from the NCAA like Mississippi was recently. And that flag was there and it was a point of contention and you had the same debates that we had here over the last few weeks and months and, and even longer about our state flag. Same thing happened over there. And nothing changed until that racist clown went into a church in Charleston and killed nine people. The, the governor at the time in South Carolina, Nikki Haley, good conservative, fantastic governor, Nikki Haley, decided enough is enough and took the flag down. And people thought, well, what's next? If you're going to take the flag down from the state house, that's history. It's been waving there forever. What's next? If you look at the state of South Carolina and, and how they voted and what is still there, nothing at all about that state has changed since then. Nikki Haley's term ran out. They elected another good conservative governor who's doing a great job. The state has grown. The Second Amendment hasn't been touched. Religion hasn't been touched. The state of South Carolina politically is the exact same years later than it was when that flag was still waving. They took the flag down because it was a point of contention and they thought it was the right thing to do. But as long as you still maintain your principles as as a voting base and as political leaders... Nothing has to change. Nothing has changed in South Carolina except for population growth and economic growth. Still conservative leaders. Second Amendment hasn't been touched. Nothing nothing has changed there politically or socially. The only thing that's changed is an economic boom. If Mississippi maintains its principles, nothing's going to change here either except for a flag. Same thing happened over there. Uh, a couple of other texts, and then we will move on. Johnny McComb says, when will Ole Miss Rebels change? It's coming. We all know it. Ole Miss is going to lose a lot of money when the name changes. Here says, uh, don't want to see Ole Miss people complain when Ole Miss Rebels goes bye-bye. Nina and Grenada says, I bet the same people are not offended enough to not spend the American dollar. Scott and Clinton points out that the BBC World News covered the story over the weekend. We got F-bomb, followed by just kidding. Funny guy. Uh, Ken and Ridgeland says, I'm offended that people are offended. Uh, here's one that says, mm, biggest story in 126 years, arguably. Fair enough. You want to uh, be a part of that, uh, the conversation, you can do so on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, 601 601- Eight seven nine four three nine five. Big news in the NFL over the weekend. The New England Patriots have apparently decided not to make Jarrett Stidham their starting quarterback. Is that is that a reasonable assumption? 
I loved the initial reporting that said he'll have a chance to compete for the starting job. That's the only assumption. (laughs) Yeah. They signed Cam Newton to start. He will start on day one. That's what happened there. (laughs) I got to read one more text because this is funny. This is from Wayne. Son-in-law says to my wife, Slide the remote over so I can press mute quick. She said, why? They don't use profanity on sports talk. He said, I know. It's in case NBA talk comes up. It hurts my ears. <laughs> he says, I know, but he's a good to our daughter, so I tolerate him. <laughs> well played, Wayne. You're well killing played. me, man. We had the schedule release Friday. All the Grizzlies fans are mad. Ugh. And the Lakers signed J.R. Smith. How can't you love that? Will he play with or without a shirt? <laughs> I, th- I think the rules state you have to wear a shirt. I just I need the picture of J.R. Smith on a roller coaster without a shirt on, but one of those Mickey Mouse hats on. I need that picture. <laughs> sure, you can find it uh, somewhere. <laughs> My guess is it will uh, it will be coming. Hey, don't forget, we're happy to announce that the uh, eighth annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon is coming your way. Uh, almost later this month. We are near the end of June, a couple of days left. Thursday, July 23rd, it's right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Every year there are children across Mississippi that need a loving home, and many times these children are caught in unimaginable circumstances, and that's why we need your help. You'll find out how Palmer Home for Children rescues and restores children. It's a faith-based organization that doesn't take government money, so we need your help. One of the many ways that you can help is by donating an item to our Radiothon online auction. Some of you have already reached out to us to uh, to do just that. The money raised from your item will go directly to help these children who are in need. If you've got something that you'd like to donate to be auctioned during the Radiothon, shoot us an email. You can uh, send it to donate, D-O-N-A-T-E, at supertalk.fm. Donate at supertalk.fm if you've got something that you would like to include in our live auction that will uh, run concurrent with the Radiothon on July 23rd. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We'll talk a little bit more about the uh, news out of New England, what it means for the Patriots and other teams in the NFL. Cam Newton, now a New England Patriot. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Tip my cap. Maybe collectively we tip our cap as a uh, show to the uh, the entire crew at News Mississippi. Um, they did a great job over the weekend uh, on Saturday and on Sunday um, following all the developments that were happening at the state capitol. You got real-time updates as uh, procedural things were happening, as votes were coming in, uh, some context, uh, quotes that were coming from uh, legislators as they were speaking on the floor. Just a really good job from a coverage standpoint from uh, our entire team at News Mississippi. And if you don't follow them on Twitter, would encourage you to uh, do so at News Mississippi. So we mentioned a second ago, Cam Newton is now a New England Patriot. He had been without a team for a while. And you get to the end of June uh, there is um, R- Richard Sherman, the always outspoken um, defensive player who is with the 49ers now, uh, took issue to the amount of money or the lack of amount of money that uh, Cam Newton is going to make this year. His base salary is only a little over a million dollars. The deal is up to uh, $7.5 million when you include incentives. You're talking about for a former NFL MVP. He was the MVP in 2015 
And if uh, he capitalizes on all the incentives, he would rank as the 27th highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, uh, which is kind of crazy considering when you think about the uh, the talent set for Cam Newton. But you also have to look at the economics of the league and the fact that he didn't have a team and that there is clearly, in the eyes of players, value in the opportunity to play for Bill Belichick and be part of the New England Patriots. So maybe maybe first, what does this do to the Patriots? Cam Newton, assuming he is healthy, assuming he is fully healthy and comes in and is the starter, what does this do for a team that some people were thinking would be tanking this year to get in line for Trevor Lawrence? If he's healthy, they're division contenders yet again. Yeah, they're right there with the with the uh, the Bills. They, they, they would be in contention for a playoff spot. I mean, that's how good. Like you said, he's an MVP. You know, if he's healthy and he can can do the things that he was doing just a few years ago, then yeah, that's going to be a really good football team. And they've got the best coach, and the, they could just keep going on. It's just so fascinating, uh, just because it, Jarrett Stidham was okay in spurts, very small spurts, but people seem to like him up there, and. His skill set and his ability matches, or at least is close to that of Tom Brady. And so if you're Belichick and the Patriots, Stidham would have been a very safe guy after the guy because they do similar things. You don't really have to adjust or alter your system to fit Stidham. He's kind of the same guy. This is, in every level, a complete shift in character for your quarterback. It's a guy that is... His skill set's very different. He's far more athletic, obviously. Um, do a little bit more things with arm. his feet. He's got a bigger arm. And he's not as buttoned up and like straight and arrow as Tom Brady is. He's very unique. He wears goofy stuff to press conferences. He is a he's a completely different guy. He dances during the game. Before like if there's a timeout pre-snap, you don't see it on TV, but he's out there just like dancing to the music, hanging out. He is the exact opposite of Tom Brady in almost every way. And so Belichick's going to either, which I doubt, try to get a guy like Cam Newton to mold into his system, or he's, at this point in his career, going to alter the way his team operates for this quarterback. And that's so fascinating to me. After all these years and all the Super Bowls and all the success with Brady, they could have gone safe with Stidham and done the same thing they always do, Instead, they bring in this super athlete who's battled injury, of course, and to be successful with him, you've got to change what's worked for you so well for so long. I mean, at this point in your career, being able to accept that and do that, it's pretty, it's kind of admirable if you think about it, going away from what's worked for this new guy, and if it works, the storylines that can come from Cam Newton in New England are, we could spend days on it. It's so fascinating. Doesn't that, at least in theory, speak to Bill Belichick and his ability as a coach? If he takes an entirely different player, and Cam Newton is an entirely different player than Tom Brady, on the field, off the field, as, as you pointed out, Borky, and he says, okay, this is what we've got. I heard somebody point out earlier today, and, and this is makes sense, that, that Bill Belichick has kind of toyed with the idea 
of what a quarterback with a different skill set, other than just being nothing but a drop-back passer with limited mobility, could do for him offensively. And it's part of the reason that he was fascinated with Jacoby Brissett, who they liked but ultimately ended up elsewhere. Um, Garoppolo had more mobility than Tom Brady did. He's not... most Can't everybody in had terms of mobility. more mobility. Than yeah, Brady. okay, yeah. <laughs> just just about every quarterback in the league has more mobility. So, so, so does a fence post, but in fairness, Tom Brady, despite being slow and not quick, his footwork was good enough that oh, he yeah. was able to get himself out of trouble. Some, I mean, it was not, over the top good. He's not back there just taking sacks because he can't get away. But he, at the same time, he's not somebody you would call running plays for either. No. Well, the, the, there's is. only one way he can stretch. Well, two ways he can stretch a defense. Maybe just one. He can stretch a defense and hurt a defense with his mind and his ability to diagnose pre-snap what was coming and know uh, and, and kind of be ready for that. But he's not the only guy in the NFL that can do that. There was a time where he could hurt a defense with his arm, but that seemed to be less the case last year, as you saw more throwaways from Tom Brady and his ability to push the ball down the field effectively and on target was, I thought, less last year than it had been in some previous years. But then you also had durability, and that's one thing that can really never be questioned with Tom Brady. He was out there every week. He, he had, the obviously, the season-ending injury a few years ago, a decade ago at this point, where he missed an entire year, but that's not what we're talking about. I mean, he played every week. He endured the bumps and bruises, and, and he was there. You are going to a guy who has not been able to stay healthy over the uh, the last handful of years in Cam Newton, what does this do for Cam Newton? Okay, so we do, okay, so it can make New England a contender. It could inarguably give Bill Belichick the title of GOAT, you know, greatest of all time in terms of coaching, if he's able to, you know, accomplish things at a high level with a different quarterback than Tom Brady. What does this do though for Cam Newton? D- does it give him a new lease on life? He tw- he uh, it wasn't a tweet, it was an Instagram post where he said I'm as excited as I don't know what right now. Hashtag Let's Go Pats. Did he use that weird font? He did. No. Did he not? Did he? Oh, really? He used regular. I saw, <laughs> regular I saw words. a thing that he put out that had the weird Elvish uh, from the Lord of the Rings font. Um, it's Sorry, like an I'm audition, though, right? Because that's what Jameis Winston is getting in New Orleans, basically. Oh yeah, he used the real font. Weird font. How? About, uh, go figure. I, I want to know what that font is. Not that I'd ever use it, but just out of curiosity, what it's called. The language is that um, of Mordor, which I will not <laughs> utter here. Um, but it's like an audition, in a way, because he still thinks he's a franchise quarterback. Kind of got a raw deal. At least people around Charlotte think he got a raw deal there and the team didn't treat him well or whatever. Uh, but it's like an audition. He took less money because being successful in New England for one season – can be enough to get you a big contract there or anywhere else. And so good on him for not putting his foot in the ground and say, no, I'm a $25 million quarterback. I'm not taking anything less. I think it takes courage in a way uh, for a guy like Jameis who threw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns last year to take a million dollars, for a guy like Cam Newton who's been a league MVP to take a million dollars where other quarterbacks are getting 35 to just – have themselves an opportunity to show that they still belong. They could have pouted and dug their heels in and said, I'm not playing this year unless I get 20. They both decided, you know what? I'm just going to take an opportunity that comes to me and prove you guys wrong. And so credit to them for doing that. We talk about Dak 
with with his contract and sort of the same thing. People are willing to take gambles on themselves these days, it seems. And you know, Cam is doing it. Jameis is doing it. I think Dak is doing it to a certainly a lesser degree. He's he's going to get a ton of money this year. But this is this you know these guys they believe in themselves and they, they wouldn't be top flight athletes without some confidence. So you know, we'll see how it works out. I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan. I'm sure you can figure out why. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I, I would think that he has the opportunity to be pretty successful in New England, and won't be. I won't be surprised at all if the Patriots are once again in the playoffs as the AFC East champion. I was looking to see what the career earnings were for uh, for Cam Newton. I think I've got it coming up uh, here. In the meantime, you know who's really mad today? Josh Allen. Oh. I mean, they had a path cleared to win that division. I mean, imagine a yeah. Buffalo Bills quarterback winning the division in the modern era. He had to go had to go through two. I don't know if that was going to be easier said than done, you know. They were going to build a statue for him, and now he's got Cam Newton in his division. Yikes. I'm looking at this right. It looks like Cam Newton has made about $125 million so far on the field in his career. His first contract was a... $14 million on fashion, though. Yeah, well. His suits are expensive. First contract was a four-year deal for $22 million, and then his most recent contract was a five-year deal for almost $104 million. So he's made a bunch of money. Maybe that makes it not a little bit easier. His, his plenty of endorsements, so... Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. What started out as an exercise in curiosity turned into a uh, something that made me think a little bit. I was curious how the old Doosan Bears were doing in the uh, KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization, South Korean Baseball. They're in third place, by the way. NC Dinos sitting there at 32-14 and 14 on top of the league standings, followed by the Kaiwoom Heroes. Who have won four out of five and are thirty and eighteen? Is that your team, Borky? I don't remember. No, 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 no. Nope, nope, nope. You heard the Hanwha Eagles. That's right. I did. They're in DFL. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Uh. So Kai Woom is in second place. Doosan in third. The LG Twins are uh, twenty-seven and twenty in fourth place. And then it's the Kia Tigers. Right now, uh, hey, Dad's Lati Giants are on the outside looking into the playoff picture, one game below 500. Ish. None of that matters, a, right? It's, it's, it's going to be a, a running theme for me uh, for baseball this year, I think. N- none, none of that matters. Here's what matters, I think. All 10 teams have played between 45 and 48 games. I don't think I've read about a stoppage in their season. That's good news. They have played and played and played and played. They take Mondays off. Six days a week they play baseball in South Korea. And this has been going for, what, 46 games? What, two months now? I don't even know that I've read about any positive tests in terms of players. That maybe there have been. I mean, admittedly, have not been following it that closely. But I'm just kind of thinking. I mean, handle things a little differently than we have here in America too. So, do what now? Korea has handled things 
a little differently than we have here in America. I think they're they're way way down in terms of you know deaths and, and cases. Sure. Again, yeah, in the United States, cases are up. There's no question about that. Everywhere you look, you're seeing increased numbers all across the country, cities, towns, states, etc. But you're not seeing an increased death rate. In fact, you're seeing a decreased death rate despite more testing and more positives. And that's got to be a good thing. Yeah. Good thing. The biggest spike is among young people. And as we've talked about since the beginning, if you can believe it, it's over three months now. Uh, that younger people just are not as susceptible to it. It's it's a minuscule percentage, and hopefully that number sticks as the spike goes up. But I, I saw charts this morning on the news where it's the 24 to 39 demographic or, or whichever age range they use, but around that. And their spike is much higher than everybody else's. It's just when the bars open and the beaches open and then there were massive protests by the hundreds of thousands all around the country – mostly young people. And so that's why it's spread around mostly young people. Yeah, just kind of looking at the uh, the case numbers, you remember last week, it was oh, Wednesday or so of last week when we had the massive number, the 1,092 new cases with five new deaths. But since then, the numbers have come back down. It was up a little bit today. You had 550 cases and six new deaths three days ago. Uh, two days ago, it was 465 uh, yesterday, 361 new cases, and today the report was 675. So obviously those numbers are way too high because we spent a, a significant amount of time where, uh, you know, you, you were looking at in the two to 300 range in new cases. So the number of cases is going up, yes, but it didn't get to a thousand and then kind of stay at that level. So thankfully it's come back down a little bit and hopefully that will, uh, will continue to be the case. And you got more. You got more communities across the state that are, are putting uh, some more restrictive measures in place. As Borky has pointed out a number of times, I don't think we're going back to the point where we're shutting businesses down and, and demanding that places close. But it does seem like you've got people being a little more aware that you're seeing masks required in more municipalities along the way. Uh, Dr. Dobbs continues to beat that drum uh, through the uh, Department of, uh, of Health. Uh, through the opportunities that he has to communicate publicly. Um, so I don't know. It's not entirely going away, but life's not shutting down either. I, I, I'm actually curious. Okay, so so Borky, you went to Philadelphia this weekend to play golf in and around Jackson. Hey, Dad, you're in and around Starkville. I'm in and around Oxford. have traveled a little bit, not extensively. Does it feel like life is normal? Believe it or not, the, uh, the the golf course on the casino property was where I it felt the most abnormal. Uh, their their measures were you couldn't walk into the clubhouse without a mask. Everything was blocked. They had marks on the floor, and, and one guy stepped off of his mark and he got scolded. That was the the one place that I've been in the last few weeks where it felt like we were still in a pandemic. Otherwise, occasional mask here or there, but mostly kind of wide open. Well, and, and part of the reason for that is that the uh, the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians was, they were hit hard. And uh, there were significant number of cases, and they have taken uh, the recovery process very, very seriously uh, and continue to do so. So it's probably the, uh, the biggest reason there. 
One hour in the books with you on this Monday. It's the start of a new week. Four o'clock hour is coming up. That means winners and losers from the weekend. We want yours as well on the C Spire text line. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you rolling into the 4 o'clock hour on this Monday. On Friday of this week, we will be off, as will all the shows on Super Talk Mississippi. We will bring you the best of Sports Talk Mississippi. Some of the, uh, hopefully, uh, interesting interviews from this week and uh, some recent weeks as we uh, continue to roll, hopefully, toward the start of a college football season and an NFL season and Major League Baseball and the uh, the NBA it feels like turning the calendar to July is going to be a really big and important moment for the uh, for the sports world. Ceasefire text line is open 601-879-4395 bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal, the best plan for one or two lines. $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing, no bull. Cspire.com. Have you guys thought about that? That um, July 2020, which the month of July after Independence Day, celebration of that is just kind of a hot slog for a lot of people. You got some folks that go on vacation, but it's you know hot and you're kind of rolling into the dog days and it's that time where it's like okay yeah I kind of sense college football but we're not there yet we got to get to August before I'm really locked in on that from a sports only standpoint this might be the most important July in a really long time July is the month that we're going to start major league baseball back it is the month in which we are going to start uh the NBA once again the PGA Tour is going to continue. They will have fans at an event, supposedly, for the first time in the month of July when they go to uh, the Memorial, to Jack's Tournament there uh, in Ohio. There's a lot of important stuff that is happening that I think is going to have an effect one way or another on the college football season, which will begin a month later. You'll have an NFL training camp, potentially, at least in some form, starting this month as well. I mean, it's... yeah. It's going to lay the groundwork for the fall and whether or not we actually have one from a sports perspective. Gave you the number for the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. We want to hear from you, your winners and losers from the weekend. We will give you ours right now. I just kind of gave what it's called away. It's called Winners and Losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. And a winner never quit. From the weekend, what did you like? What did you not like? That's why we call it winners and losers. We'll give you ours. We'll get to yours on the C Spire text line as well. I'll lead us all for the first time uh, in a little while. And for the 21st time in his career, Dustin Johnson wins on the PGA Tour. Started uh, the final round a couple of shots back yesterday. Finishes with a $1.3 million check after uh, getting to 19 under for the uh, for the tournament. A really good weekend for him in Cromwell, Connecticut. He's the winner of the Travelers Championship. Carded a final round, 5 under, 67 Four under 67. Sorry, it was a par uh, 71. 
uh, finished one shot ahead of Kevin Streelman. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes finished two back. Kevin Knob was at 16 under. Uh, it rent the uh, the wrong way for the uh, leader, uh, Brendan Todd, who carded a final round four over 75. This is the guy who had won a couple of times on tour uh, over the uh, the last year. He finished 13 under six shots back. So Dustin Johnson, one of the smartest and most insightful guys you will ever come across in professional sports, a winner once again on the PGA Tour. It was incredible to see just the raw emotion after the win. I mean, you know that one was really important to him. <laughs> insightful. He didn't even crack a freaking smile. It's like he was—he played a bad round with a couple of guys he didn't like and had one too many beers and wasn't feeling well. Like That's what he looked like after he won a million three. Career earnings on the course now over $63 million for uh, for DJ on the uh, on the tour. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Pretty easy. I'll be shocked, I know. Huh? I'll be shocked, I know. Kylan Hill. Oh, I, I didn't know that's where you were going. Yeah, easy choice. Uh, whether you want to give him all the credit, some of the credit, none of the credit. Well, if you give him none of the credit, you're wrong. Uh, he played a huge role in what happened in this state this week. And uh, for me, when people talk about stick to sports and shut up and dribble or whatever they want to say, I'm just going to point to Kylan Hill from now on, a guy who used his platform and did his part to affect the change that he wanted to see in his world. Uh, so, I mean, a ton, a ton of po- positive publicity for him this week. Uh, he has made himself into a national name and given himself a legacy here in this state that will extend beyond the playing field. Yes, well said. And uh, I, I think your point of, you know, however you want to divvy up the credit, there is a uh, there's a nice slice of the pie that goes to him. Yeah. And, and there are people that have kind of looked at this thing and go, well, it was the SEC that forced it. It was the NCAA that forced it. It was Kylan Hill that forced it. The, the reality is None of those things forced it, but they all served as catalysts, right? They, they yeah. advanced the conversation to a point where a decision had to be made. right? And a decision was made on Saturday, and then an, an even longer and lasting decision was made on Sunday in the uh, the Mississippi legislature. And uh, not, not only did Kylan Hill use his platform, but Mississippi State fans get to breathe a sigh of relief because yeah, it appears that. he will be wearing maroon and white this fall. Assuming and all there's fans a football in season. the state can breathe a sigh of relief because if you're a baseball fan, you're going to see regional mm. play next year. If you're a women's basketball fan from Mississippi State, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen in Ole Miss. We'll see if Coach Yo can turn that around. But there can be games here now. Softball, all the same. I saw that uh, Commissioner Greg Sankey has put out a statement. Have we heard anything from the, uh, the folks in Indianapolis? They released a statement uh, last night. I just yeah. had it up. Hold on a second. The SEC Network is doing a lot of back padding uh, as well today. That's lovely. How so? Oh, just I'll, I'll send it to you at the break. They did a here's how the SEC and others enacted change in Mississippi. Here's the NCA uh, statement. Uh, we are pleased the Mississippi legislature has acted swiftly to remove the Confederate battle emblem from the state flag, and we look forward to Governor Reeves signing this bill. It is, has too long served as a symbol of oppression, racism, and injustice. We welcome this important move by state lawmakers to remove the symbol from prominence in the state, which will also open the opportunity to host NCAA championships after the recently expanded championship policy. Very good. Very good. And this also opens the door for the state of Mississippi 
to bid for the opportunity to host non-merit-based championship events from the NCAA. Correct. Don't know where right, the, they would host them, but yes. I said that on the, the podcast this morning, as it turns out. I, I mean, that would be the next step. If I was a local leader where you sit, Richard, in Oxford, and we just built a $100 million basketball arena, and we took down the state flag, you have played NCAA tournament games in worse towns, in worse venues than the one we've got. We did what you asked. Give us a first-round game in the NCAA tournament now. That's That would be my position if I were them. And I would do it starting today. I would work on it right now. Ole Miss and Mississippi have such a such a strong history of working positively and in concert with the NCAA. I would think that that would be a slam dunk. <laughs> but, hey, <laughs> it happened in South Carolina. The aforementioned removal of that flag. They got the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. They've got NCAA Tournament games again. They've got a bowl game coming this year. If I'm local leadership and I've got a basketball venue, I'm doing whatever I can. I mean, they can say no, but I am – doing whatever the process is, putting a bid in place, whatever, to bring the NCAA tournament because they've held it on campus. It's not like the Pavilion, for example, being on Ole Miss's campus would prevent that bid from being won. They've done it elsewhere. I would put together a bid and try to bring the NCAA tournament here. I don't. I see got it. one for you. I got one for you. What about if... Our friends at Old Waverly put in a bid to host the SEC or NCAA golf championships. How about an NCAA golf national championship being held in uh, in West Point at Old Waverly? Uh, As long as we can do a remote there, no problem. See, that kind of stuff, that would be so cool. And I I hope that you just planted some ideas in some heads. I know somebody we can talk to if uh, (laughs) he happens to not be listening this afternoon. I bet we do, we can uh, can have that conversation with and, ju- and just see what it would take. I mean, you know, there's no reason that the NCAA golf championship has to be in California every year or has to be played in, I mean, goodness gracious. It, you've had NCAA regionals in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Hey, it's a nice golf facility, but come on, it's Stillwater, Oklahoma. No reason you couldn't bring an NCAA golf championship to the state of Mississippi. We have the PGA Tour here. We can do the NCAA National Championship. Yeah. We will uh, We'll get to more winners and losers from the weekend. I don't even think Borky has given us uh, his yet. We'll get to yours as well on the uh, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. We'll be right back. Continuing with winners and losers on this Monday afternoon. Borky, you're up. Give me a winner from the weekend. It's one that's upcoming, but it uh, a picture leaked this weekend of Fight Island, what UFC's doing coming up, and the setting looks incredible. So they're still setting up the octagon, but the picture is it's uh, it's during sunset, of course, and it is literally on a beach, and there's ocean in the background. And it looks like what you thought it was when the idea first came about. And as we've learned, it's not really on like a tropical island, but more of like a corporate theme park that happens to be an island with water around it. But still, the location of the octagon and the sun was setting. And so they're going to have fights as the sun's setting over the ocean while it's on a white sand beach. Dana White's delivering on his promise, at least from that leaked image. I'm going to watch it, and I'm not a big UFC guy, but the setting alone is going to draw me to it. So 
even though it hadn't happened yet, image leaked on Saturday, uh, they're a winner. I haven't seen it. I'm Googling frantically to uh, to find the Fight Island picture. All I know is that's a pretty cool-looking island, period. So, anyway. Uh, what about losers from the weekend? Have you got any? Bill Simmons? Okay. He's having a rough go. So if you remember when LeBron James made the decision and they did the special on ESPN and a lot of people roasted him for it, the biggest critic of the decision in LeBron James and making the decision was Bill Simmons. In fact, he even uh, said that it's he possibly did that because his dad wasn't in his life. I mean, he went that far. Turns out the decision was Bill Simmons' idea. An email came out in part of uh, a documentary that ESPN did from Bill Simmons pitching the idea uh, to leadership at ESPN, and they did exactly what he pitched to them. And then after LeBron James does it, he says he did it because he had daddy issues, even though he's the one that pitched the idea and loved it in this internal email that ESPN released during this documentary. Uh, oops. You think he just forgot? I think it's spite. Or it was spite. I don't know. I mean, because he wasn't a part of it, was he? If I remember correctly. No, he wasn't part of it. So somebody else is running my idea. Yeah. Jim Gray asking all the tough questions. Yeah. That's a tough look for Bill Simmons. Not good. Although, hate to see it. His, his little kingdom is. Worked out pretty well post ESPN, hasn't it? Yeah, Spotify is just—I mean, Spotify is just spending money left and right with him and Joe Rogan. Wait, has does he no longer have the Ringer? Spotify bought like exclusive rights to the Ringer. Oh, okay, that's probably probably good for his uh, his bottom line. Hey, Dad, you got a loser? Uh, I mean, it was a pretty loser-free weekend, in my opinion. It's a lot of good stuff going on. I could say Leicester City was a loser because they lost to Chelsea, but beyond that. There was one concept that was floated out this weekend that I had trouble um, making make sense in my mind. Uh, an idea that was floated on the uh, Senate floor that changing the flag created an inability for us to teach history yeah, anymore I heard in the state that. of Mississippi. Ooh. I was listening to that, and, and I tweeted something along the lines. I was like, so... Changing the state flag means we can no longer teach history in related news. Two plus two equals seventeen. Yeah, that's what I, museums I, are for. They they help us teach history. I thought. Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I I just I don't get it on uh, on that front. Ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. What about your winners and losers from the weekend? We've got a few submissions. Loser: the St. Louis couple pointing their guns at protesters. Yeah, some Not funny memes have come out of that, though. It's true. Somebody said that lady looked like she was watering her garden with that, <laughs> swinging it around. Um, Mike in Oxford. Major League Baseball is my loser. They have announced that brawling will be prohibited due to COVID. Does this mean it was allowed before? And will it be allowed when restrictions are eased? <laughs> That's um, a good point. They're going to try to legislate no spitting, by the way. Good luck with that. 
That's dumb. Jeff says, my winners are Kevin Harvick. He won Saturday's race at Pocono and finished second on Sunday. And then Denny Hamlin, who won on Sunday and finished second on Saturday. No other drivers required. It's just kind of a two-man deal this weekend. What were you saying, Borky? Sorry. Oh, no. That just, huh. That's parody and NASCAR is a problem, too, I guess. I'm assuming that the the winnings... For Sunday's race, for better, so you'd rather win Sunday and finish second on Saturday? I did see it was kind of interesting. After Harvick won, I actually turned it on to watch the final 10 laps or so. And when he got done, he didn't celebrate at all, really, or, or do donuts or any of that. And the, uh, uh, I guess you can call it a sideline reporter, uh, walked up to him right afterwards, and Harvick was like, yeah, i got to preserve the car for tomorrow. I mean, I, I can't mess it up. <laughs> so no donuts for me. What way to think ahead. Uh, Mr. Welsey, uh, Mr. West says uh, Chelsea won. I think that means he has Chelsea as a winner. Here's Absolutely. one that says uh, winner Mississippi. Agreed. From Mike Brewer, loser. New England Patriots picking up Cam will be difficult for a mobile quarterback to learn how to stay in the pocket. Yeah. But I, I see what you're saying, but he's more than just a mobile quarterback. I mean, I know... Like, he's made headlines for the way he dresses and stuff like that, but he's been at times a really, really good quarterback. Not running quarterback, not athlete with the football in his hand, but been a really good quarterback at times. I mean, his last full season when he was healthy, what did he complete? Like, like 70% of his passes? I mean, the guy can play. It's just been health has been his issue. Here's another one that says, uh, winner lobbyists in Jackson – Loser, Governor Reeves. Okay, that was from uh, Seth and Tishomingo. I missed this. It says loser, Hillary Clinton and her appeal. I, I must have what? missed that too. Yeah. Yeah. Any others in uh, terms of winners or losers from the weekend? Puts a bow on it. You want to uh, text this one? You can. Ceasefire text line still open. 601-879-4395. Here's another uh, one. I have a feeling we're going to talk about it at some point, but uh, Fox getting out of the golf majors makes us all a loser, I think. I mean, they aside from the first couple of years, which apparently were a disaster, I don't remember, Fox has been the most... Yeah, Greg Norman was terrible the first year. See, I, I don't remember that, but... They had, a lot, they had a lot of camera issues, as I recall, in that first year, where they, were, they, were, they would stick with golfers who were not involved in the, in the leaderboard. Uh, since then, uh, they've been more innovative, incorporated more technology and, and graphics and tracing and, and unique angles to cover golf. Fox has been more forward-thinking than everybody else, and for some reason, the Internet hates Joe Buck. I think he's fantastic when he's calling golf or anything else. So going back to Johnny Miller and NBC is awful, and I'm disappointed in that for sure. Yeah, Dan Hicks is good, and Joe Buck on Twitter today, a couple of hours ago, he says, Nance, Hicks, Tarico, all better at calling golf than me, but I would put our production up against anybody's. Our innovation and drone shots and overall effort to try new things pushed golf coverage forward, and for that, I am most proud. Our producer, Mark Loomis, was a master tutor. Uh, He went on to say there's nothing better than walking by a driving range, sorry, USGA, practice tee, 
on the way to call our national championship. I could sit there all day and watch swings. So many of the guys were so welcoming to me and us and so thankful for that. It sounds like Joe Buck's going to miss it. It also sounds like there were just too many hurdles for Fox. Yeah, with NFL coming. When it rolled into the NFL. That uh, they had some interest in trying to move golf coverage to FS1, and the USGA said, yeah, no, that's not what we signed up for. And as a result, the 12-year, $1 billion deal from Fox to carry USGA events goes by the wayside, and NBC gets it, and apparently NBC is going to pay about half the rights fee that Fox was paying. So, a little bit of a tough break for it. Now, I, I don't know if that means like the second half of the contract or half of the annual rate or, or what exactly that means. You know, CBS obviously doesn't get into the mix because they've got the same football issues that Fox has. ESPN, while they don't have the football issues on Sunday, they've got them on Thursday, Friday, Saturday across their platforms. So NBC was the uh, the logical choice. I mean, they'll have to work around Notre Dame football. I, I don't know if Notre Dame's got a home game the weekend of the U.S. Open. Um, but nevertheless, starting this year at Winged Foot, instead of USGA on Fox, it will be the uh, USGA's U.S. Open on NBC, which is where it was for about a decade or so prior to going to Fox. And those are your winners and losers. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm on this Monday afternoon. You can watch what happens during the Sports Talk Mississippi radio program live or on demand on your computer or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalk.fm slash watch. You can also watch the show on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Just uh, search Supertalk or go to supertalk.fm slash connect to get connected on your smart device. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us this afternoon. Borky, you wanted some NBA talk. You got it. The schedule has come Ooh. out, and by golly, there's going to be a lot of basketball. Um, and during the day, too. I mean, it's going to have a real it's, – well, uh, it's going to have an NCAA tournament kind of feel to it, although it's only one game at a time. If I remember correctly uh, – there's games at 1.30 in the afternoon. You are correct. The first day of the NBA will be Thursday, July 30th. The Jazz will meet the Pelicans, and the Clippers will play the Lakers. Both of those games on TNT, one of them starts at 5.30, the other one starts at 8. On the second day of competition, Friday, July 31st, here's your lineup. Orlando against Brooklyn, Memphis against Portland, Phoenix against Washington, Boston against Milwaukee, Sacramento against San Antonio, and Houston against Dallas. Games are at 133, 3, 5.30, 7, and 8. The uh, Memphis Portland game will be on NBA TV. Boston Milwaukee's on ESPN at 5.30 Central Time. Houston Dallas, 8 o'clock. Uh, five games on that Saturday. They start at noon and they go till 7.30 at night. Sunday, you'll have six games, starting at 1 and going till 8 at night. There's going to be plenty of basketball on the menu. Grizzlies fans are not happy, by the way. Why is that? Because 
And it kind of makes me laugh because they think that the NBA purposely gave New Orleans a really easy schedule to catch them and make the playoffs because they'd prefer Zion in New Orleans over Memphis. And what's lost on on everybody is, yeah, New Orleans did get the easiest schedule among the teams left. They also had the easiest schedule remaining if there was no coronavirus. And the winning percentage of their opponents for these eight games went up pretty significantly. So their schedule got tougher than it would have been otherwise, and their playoff odds have gone down by like 40% with this new reschedule. So maybe they did get thrown a bone, but their odds are worse, and the winning percentage for their schedule is harder than it would have been without corona. Memphis's schedule is brutal, though. And it would have been otherwise. That's the- I understand. I understand. But you're only talking about eight games. They get Dame Lillard in Portland first. Then they get San Antonio. Then they get the Pelicans. Then they get the Jazz. Then they get a good young Oklahoma City team. Then they get Toronto, who's playing really well. And then they get the Celtics. And then they get Giannis and the Bucks. Might get a break with those last two, especially the, the last one. I would be shocked if Giannis plays in that final game. They, they the may... enthusiasm, though, to be the sacrificial lamb in round one. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess he could play just to get him in game shape, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the, the Milwaukee B team and even the Boston B team in game seven. Uh, speaking of the Grizzlies and John Morant, he did not – do a lot to uh, endear himself to law enforcement and has gone back and apologized for it, kind of. So if you've been watching protest TV over the last uh, couple of months, a friend that described it as riot TV, you have likely heard the phrase F-12. Or you've seen it spray-painted, graffitied onto buildings as part of the vandalism that's going on. And 12 is a slang term for the police. And they put the F word in front of it. So there was a story that came out over the weekend that said the NBA and the Players Association were working on an idea that would allow players, instead of having their names on the back of their jerseys, to instead put statements, whether it was a a social cause or a charitable cause or whatever, in the nameplate portion of their jersey. And so you would anticipate that you would see a lot of BLM and other things along those lines on the nameplate. I've seen somebody suggest for what it's worth, uh, LeBron just put LeBron and Zion just put Zion and Giannis just put Giannis because... What? How? When you're talking about those three guys, what do you refer to them as? Their first name, and that's it. You don't say LeBron James. You say LeBron. You don't say Zion Williamson. You say Zion. You don't say Giannis and T- T- X Y Z. You just say Giannis. And so, what would be better for them having their last name or their first name on the back of their jerseys and on their gear? First name. So that might be a thing that happens. So John Moran has apologized on Twitter for reposting an image on social media with profanity directed at police officers on the back of his jersey, writing that it, quote, didn't clearly and accurately convey what I wanted to share. 
I think it pretty clearly and accurately conveyed what he wanted to share. Yeah. He just didn't want the backlash from it. So, along the lines of the NBA saying that you might can share a message on there, he put the F word 12 as want that on my jersey. And then later deleted it and apologized via a statement. And here's what he said. I want to first apologize for reposting something that didn't clearly and accurately convey what I wanted to share. My post was intended to focus on the bad cops who get away with the murder of unarmed black men and women and those who continue to harass people, Black Lives Matter, uh, peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters. Goes on to say, I know they're good cops. Quotation marks 12 out there. I know some, and a few are family. I'm thankful to the cops at Murray State who took care of me and the cops who continue to watch over me with the Grizzlies. We need good cops to step up and make sure other cops are not abusing their power. And then he goes on to talk about the justice piece of it and why he won't stay silent and also. There was like a justification there as well. I don't need a justification and an apology. I'm not 100% sure that I need an apology for something that clearly is the message that you wanted to put out there, only for you to backtrack hours later after you get whiplash from the criticism you receive. But then when you ultimately do apologize, I don't really need to just you to justify why it is that you're saying. Just say that you're wrong. Say, I'm sorry, and that was wrong. Not, I'm sorry, and that was wrong, but we got to do this. Or my intention was, no. Your intention was what you posted. And I don't know if you thought that was ha-ha funny or you were trying to send a message or you really believe what you posted. I get that there are bad cops out there. You know what else there are? You got bad football players, bad basketball players, bad accountants, bad lawyers, bad doctors, Bad teachers, they're bad people in every walk of life. But you know what else exists in every walk of life? An overwhelming number of good people. And I'm kind of weary of police officers as a whole being vilified as bad because we have glaring examples of a few that are extremely bad. The ones that are extremely bad, yeah, we got to get rid of that. That's got to go away. There's no place in law enforcement. You, you, we can't have peaceful law enforcement with guys in our law enforcement ranks that are racist and bigoted and looking to do harm to American citizens. But that is such a small, small minority that exists out there. And a country without law enforcement is a scary, scary proposition. Now, I just kind of weary of the painting with such a broad brush where everybody gets painted as bad cop. Because that's wrong. Most are good cops. 
And goodness gracious to the good ones that are out there need our support more than ever they have needed it before. So, John Morant, you'll allow me to rewind just a few minutes. I'm going to add you to the losers list from the weekend. You're a heck of a basketball player, and man, are you fun to watch. But I think you showed some pretty significant immaturity there. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. We do another late submission to the winners losers list. This one to winners. We can do it all day. Shout out to Parker Harris. Apparently, he had two holes in one in the same round at Lost Keys Golf Course on the uh, Gulf Coast. Whoa! Wow! Very impressive. I believe that uh, message comes from Stephen Greenwood. I think. I wonder what the Scrolling. odds of that are. I'm having trouble congratulating Parker Harris. I think I would like to throw something at him. You get one, and congratulations. You get two in the same round. It's a little selfish, isn't it? You gotta, you gotta leave those out there for some other folks to get as well. The National Hole-in-One Registry, which is a thing, evidently, mm-hmm. says the odds of making two aces in the same round is roughly 67 million to one. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hope my man bought a go- uh, lottery ticket as well. <laughs> I mean, geez, Louise. Press your luck. Big money, big money, big money, no whammies, no whammies, big money. Yeah, stop! Did you guys That's like crazy. that show as a kid? Who didn't like Press Your Luck? Are you kidding? Who didn't oh, like so that? so good. Um, that was my favorite you didn't know what, it wasn't. It period. wasn't on when you were a kid, Borky. I know. So it you don't count. What what channel was it that carried? There was like this block of game shows. It's CBS. They had a twenty five thousand dollar pyramid, Pressure, Luck, and Price is Right. Before the soaps came on, were they all in the morning? Yeah, eight. Nine, and then and ho- ten. all right. So where did Hollywood Squares air? That was like in syndication. Uh, just where it depended on where, where you lived, I think. Yeah, but it was like in the middle of the afternoon where they yeah, it was in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, it was like two o'clock or so. With Joan Rivers boozing it at you know, that's getting close to cartoon time for me though. That's, that's getting close to you know Transformers and GI Joe and Thundercats coming on. So I wasn't watching those things. I thought twenty five thousand dollar pyramid also was a nighttime game show. Not when I was a kid. It was, it was Dick Clark hosted it in the mornings. You may be right. Why do I remember that at nighttime? It was the newlywed game that was on at night. Now, the newlywed game was definitely on at night. You can't talk about making Whoopi in the daytime like that. Come on. Press Your Luck has been rebooted, and mm-hmm. um, Elizabeth Banks is the host. Yep. I don't know if she can meet, meet you know, meet, uh, was it Peter? I can't remember his last name. I'm thinking, like, it's Visargin, but that's the baseball guy. That's Matt Vaskersian. Yeah. Who's was the original dad. host, Borky, if you got the wiki up there? Have I ever told you that that's like my uh, my secret uh, like life goal? What, to call an MLB game? Nope. Or to be a game show host? Hosting a game show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Peter Tamarkin. That was his name. Well, well, he done looks like the, a grizzly bear. Uh, first, I mean that that top of head connection to facial hair where you don't lose any length is pretty impressive. 
Say again? So his hair, at least the picture I'm looking at, and his beard are all the same length. So it looks like he took like an eight guard and just did everything. Like all <laughs> around. Okay. It's the best game show of all time. Put it on the poll, Borky. Oh, it's Price is Right. Come on. What, do we have to poll, narrow Borky? it down to four? No, just a... Uh, Write-in poll? Write-in poll. Best game show of all time. Will Fortune, Price is Right, Jeopardy, Press Your Luck, Newlywed Game, $25,000 Pyramid, Hollywood Squares, Family Feud. Oh, family Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Deal or No Deal? I'm not a fan of that. What, Deal or No Deal? Yeah, it's just like, it's just straight, it's like, it's just gambling. It's just, there's no skill involved. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I have someone that is currently on the ceasefire text line debating with me the reasons for the fighting of the Civil War. That's where we are on this Monday. Don't, don't, just stop with that. Just stop. Can we just go game show? I, I'm going to let that debate die. I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm just going to tap out here. Game shows, yeah. Card going to tap out. Brought into the mix. That was a great game. Uh, Mike is uh, putting Jeopardy and Gong Show up. Yeah. Jeff goes with Price is Right. The Price is Right is the answer. You know, my friend of the show, my good friend David DeLucci, yeah. um, who. Played baseball at Ole Miss, played in the big leagues. You've heard him on here a number of times, SEC Network Canos. His wife is one of the models on Price is Right. Really? In fact, in fact, she is the longest tenured Price is Right model in the history of that show. Just so you know. Being a Major League Baseball player has its perks, I suppose. It has its privileges. So shallow. Just, just saying. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Five o'clock hour coming up. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for joining the conversation. You can add to it on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. If you're ready for a better phone, C Spire's here to help. Get up to $700 off top smartphones online when you trade in a device and add a new line. Plus, find options like free same-day delivery and curbside pickup in select locations. You can shop online now, like right now, on your computer or your smartphone at cspire.com. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find uh, Find out about the full line of Ford vehicles available. Great savings. See what's available for you at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So you've heard that some schools are potentially asking guys to sign coronavirus waivers. Well, some senators are trying to make that uh, illegal. 
Two United States senators plan to submit a bill later this week prohibiting schools from compelling athletes to sign COVID-19 waivers as a condition of participation. Senators Richard Blumenthal, Democrat from Connecticut, and Cory Booker, Democrat from New Jersey, crafted the bill after sending NCAA President Mark Emmert a letter on the subject last week. In the letter, they expressed grave concern about athletes being forced to sign away their right to hold the school accountable during the pandemic. They've asked Emmett for a response by Tuesday, July 7th, so a week from tomorrow. Aides did not respond directly to a request for comment, but a separate source told CBS Sports that the bill could be submitted as soon as midweek. A draft copy of the legislation contained these four stipulations. An institution shall not allow any individual to agree to a waiver of liability regarding coronavirus. They shall not cancel a scholarship or financial aid for a player who refuses to participate because of concerns regarding coronavirus. An institution shall infirm all athletes at the school when an athlete or staff member tests positive for COVID-19, and the person who tests positive does not have to be identified. An institution will make sure the athletic department adheres to COVID-19 health and safety guidelines. For example, Ohio State has made players sign a pledge that they, quote, take responsibility for their own health, close quote. Players who do not sign can be separated from the team while still keeping their scholarship. Thoughts? Love it when politicians interject themselves into something they know nothing about. And... It's not exactly their fault because the way college football is set up. I mean, Mark Emmert, you would think the head of the NCAA, well, he controls college football. Well, no, he really doesn't. His power is extremely limited when it comes to college football. This is just another example among many of why college football needs a commissioner. One voice that has some kind of power afforded to him by the conferences where he can make universal decisions when it comes to how teams handle things like this. So you don't have to have Corey freaking Booker out here trying to well, make laws to, okay. to affect college football. But but the logistics and application of it aside, should universities be allowed to or require their student-athletes to sign health waivers as it pertains to COVID or not? I would sign one. I would have. I had to sign a particular waiver in high school uh, about injuries and lawsuits or whatever. Uh, I mean, you don't have to play. Nobody's okay, making okay, so, you play. So are you okay with the caveat that you, you say to your student-athletes, in order to participate, you've got to sign this liability waiver? If you choose not to sign the liability waiver, no harm, no foul. Your scholarship will not be affected. But you cannot participate in practices, team meetings, or competitions without signing the waiver. Would you be okay with that? I don't see what's wrong with that. Yeah, that, that feels like it's fair for everybody. You don't force the athlete to play. You allow them to keep their scholarship because they are students first. And you move forward. I mean, 
And it, you have Major League Baseball players opting out today. A handful of NBA players have opted out. Malcolm Jenkins said out loud, if I don't feel comfortable with the protocols in place, I'm not playing this year. No, there's not a single person that is forcing these athletes to play. And so yeah, if, I feel like you can cover both sides here. Like you can say, yeah, you got to sign a waiver. You, you can't come back and sue us. However, we're not making you play. There will be no repercussions against you for saying, I don't feel comfortable playing, including the removal of your scholarship. We committed to you. You committed to us. This is unforeseen for everyone. We will not take away your scholarship if you choose not to participate. However, in order to participate, you must sign a liability waiver. To me, that feels like a reasonable compromise. I, I don't like the language in this bill where you say, I cannot ask you or compel you to sign a liability waiver and I cannot cancel your scholarship. I'm fine with you saying I can't cancel your scholarship. But we put these best practices into place at the advice of the CDC and with opinion after opinion after opinion of medical officials, there is a certain amount of unknown that goes along with this. We can't put the future of our university at stake in terms of opening ourselves up to liability claims. Maybe I'm off on that. I mean, do... do, do do universities have liability insurance policies that would cover those claims? I'm trying to think of like another another example here of something where like another disease that you I, I don't know. I mean, well, there's apparently a new swine flu in China right now that is similar to the one in 09. So we'll start with that. Great. If you could get that, do you, I mean. Are they going to make you sign waivers for everything? You know, I feel like it, it could it could end up being one of those kind of things where it's it becomes over. I, I don't know. I I like Richard's policy to be totally honest with you. You don't it's sort of what you know a lot of a lot of pro sports are doing right now. You don't have to play, but you you don't have to practice. You don't have to sign the waiver, but you can't practice. You can't play. You know, you just you're just on scholarship. You know, and then you know I I, I, I is that for how long? You know, is that a, a four-year? You know, for the length of the time you were you had eligibility remaining, or do we get to revisit it in a year? You know, if we, if they recruit over you, I don't know. Yeah, I would think that a year would be the timeline on that. Yeah. And kind of on that note, for whatever it's worth, real quick, uh, the NFL is going to push forward with July twenty-eighth training camp, and rookies and new players can report earlier. So they're pushing forward, but. There is the clause. If you don't feel safe, you don't have to show. Yeah, no, what? So uh, Mike Leak, the former Arizona State pitcher who uh, was with the Reds for a while and now is a pitcher with the Diamondbacks and was, uh, what, he was due $16 million this year if they had played a full season. So it was a good salary, but he was going to be competing for a back end of the rotation spot with the Diamondbacks. He has said, I'm not playing. Hasn't said specifically why, just that there were a lot of, or his agent made the announcement, said there were a lot of family concerns and whatnot. Isn't he a weird guy? Am I crazy? Was it? Was there like a, wasn't there a shoplifting story related to Mike Leake? Maybe 
after the time he hey, and you remember everything. I, I don't remember this. I'm going to feel luckily, really bad if that turns out not to be the case, but I think that we do have a device. Yeah, I know. Mike Leak arrested, accused of stealing six shirts. What's the uh, what's the byline on that date? Uh, I'm I'm getting there. The internet not not specifically very good here. Uh, April 18, 2011. So okay. nine years ago, Mike Leak yep. arrested in a downtown department store trying to steal six shirts with a total value of fifty nine dollars and eighty eight cents. Come on, man. He made at the time made four hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year. Come on, man. That's not, not great. Not that that has anything to do with his decision to play or not play. Man, who knows what's going on in his world? I just, for some reason, I mean, maybe I'm the only person on the radio in the entire world today who has brought that up as it pertains to Mike Leach choosing not to play baseball this year. Not at all related, but uh, sometimes you do things that uh, are attached to your name in perpetuity. That's your college football fix and some other stuff driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. As I told you, I tapped out of the conversation, but this is uh, entertaining. Michael Borky and uh, a listener are... Oh, my God, this person. They're, they're debating the Civil War on, uh, on the ceasefire text line. I'll just leave it to your imagination as to how this is going. Poorly is the word. Yeah. Apparently, we made Parker's day. Parker made two holes in one over the weekend. And uh, somebody gave us some context as well. Said that, uh, oh, where I lost it. It's right there. Oh, yeah, regarding Parker. His dad, Steve is Sissy Gallagher's first cousin. There's just too much good golf in that family for me to be happy with them. I'm happy to call Jim a friend. Sissy is maybe the most accomplished female amateur golfer in the state of Mississippi's history. Like She's won the uh, Mississippi Women's Amateur about 324 times. Give or take. Give or take. And uh, now her, uh, let's see, that would make uh, that would make Parker Sissy's second cousin, I guess. He drops two aces in the same round. Atta boy. Atta boy. You ever have an ace? Nope. Have Fortune? not. No, no, I've came close, actually, in a tournament as well. Uh, ball hit the lip. And like kind of plugged into the lip, but bounced oh. out just enough. Oh, that's, so that's the ball mark was in the lip of the hole, but I guess the impact made it bounce out over the ball mark. I never had one either, in case y'all are wondering. So that would have made me angry if you had. <laughs> if I just said, I have two, Richard. <laughs> yeah, and they happen in the same round. One was at Augusta, <laughs> the other was at Pebble Beach. How did I just get roped into needing to move to the north, Porky, because of your debate with this guy on Twitter? Eh, whatever. Not on Twitter, but... Uh... He, 
he's just impossibly wrong about basic historical facts, and Michael I'm enjoying Borky, myself. Michael Borky I know is arguing with someone over the history of the Civil War on the ceasefire text line. And there was a response in there that was, maybe if Oxford isn't liberal enough for you, maybe the North will accept your views. There you go. I know they're on Twitter, but I think we may have found a Russian bot here on the text line. He is he is just, he won't give in. In, in the face of inarguable facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alas. We now have people submitting their number of holes in one made in a round and tying it to putt-putt. Well, if we're counting putt-putt, I have a lot of holes in one. Yeah. Um, how about the fact that the Patriots signed Cam Newton for less than they have to, uh, in terms of base salary, than for less than they have to pay in a fine for the uh, cheating scandal? You remember the cameraman that was vil- filming the Bengals game? Which still is one of the Dumber breaking of the rules that we've heard of. Yes. Patriots get hit with $1.1 million in club fines. They lose a third-round pick in the 2021 draft. Their television production crews will not be allowed to shoot any games during the 2020 season. Senior club officials will have required training on league operation and game policies. And David Mondillo, who was suspended by the NFL at the time of the NFL investigation, is banned from NFL facilities until further notice. Prior to the discipline, Mondillo, uh, Mondillo was uh, terminated by the Patriots because he acted as a lone ranger. He was a rogue agent acting on behalf of the Patriots for the greater good. Kind of like, like a ball Patri- boy that went rogue and inflated those footballs or deflated those footballs. I want the Patriots to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl now so there can be no commemorative DVD. The Patriots can't can't film anything. Hmm. Somebody called them the Cheatriots on Patri- on uh, Twitter. Of course they did. Man, it Bill Belichick. Remember the excuses that were laid out when that oh, first happened. Oh, they were happened? horrendous. Is this fine worthy of the crime? I feel like they should have been punished more. I mean, like I've said, deflate I gate. Mean, it's and- a fine with two commas in it. Yeah, but it's an NFL it's team NFL. worth billions. Yeah. It's pocket change. Should it have been more? I mean, you have Deflategate, even though it didn't really affect the outcome of the game because they won by a billion points that night. But then you also had Spygate. I mean, this is not the first time they've spied on opponents before using cam- impermissible camera equipment. Should the fine have been more? Should the punishment have been more? I mean, just a third-round pick? The Astros Apropos of nothing. I got a parking ticket this morning. At a boy. Nice. I mean, the Astros got first and second rounders taken away for banging trash cans, relaying signals. I feel like this is kind of hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. That was a coordinated in-game sign stealing. And this is a, a third-time offender. Second time offender of using camera equipment to steal sideline signals of your opponent. Yeah. You also manipulated game balls in the other. I mean, this is not just isolated. If it was just this, I would you know, not really care, but it's a third time. I feel like Goodell could have come down harder and most everybody would have been okay with it. Sure. 
is Dan Guerrero, which is a name that you may or may not recognize, in the best spot or the worst spot ever? He is the outgoing athletics director at UCLA, and his final day is tomorrow. June 30th. I made UCLA my, one of my losers today. <laughs> Retirement effective for Dan Guerrero, athletics director at UCLA, effective tomorrow. If you got any vacation time, you might want to take tomorrow off. Not even work that last day. Under Armour has terminated or is in the process of terminating its record $280 million partnership with UCLA. That was according to an announcement for Under Armour on Saturday. Bruin signed the deal in 2016 at the time was the biggest apparel deal in college athletics. Under Armour in their statement said, we have been paying for marketing benefits that we have not received for an extended time period. The agreement allows us to terminate in such an event, and we are exercising that right. They did go on to recognize how difficult the timing is for such a decision given the global pandemic brought on by coronavirus. They say, we know this has been a challenging time for athletes, sports programs, and performance apparel brands alike. Under Armour will continue to preserve our strength in this challenging environment while maintaining a strong network of partnerships with individuals, organizations, and leagues that make us the -the on-the-field authority or on-field authority for focused performers. UCLA says they are, or Dan Guerrero on behalf of UCLA, said they are exploring their options to say, no, you can't terminate this agreement. It's one of those things where it's like, why? Why did you give UCLA this amount of money? I I I remember thinking that at the time. Investing that in Alabama, Ohio State, you know, not at that time, but Clemson now? Sure, sure. When has UCLA been good in our lifetime? They had that one year, what, in in, uh, the, was it 01, I guess, when uh, they were ranked in the top top five and they lost to Miami? I think that was in 01. I don't remember. Yeah, it was in Um, 01 because it was uh, their game against Miami was supposed to be played the weekend after September 11th, and it got rolled to that that, early December weekend. It's not. It's not 01. I know what you're thinking. It's 9/11 doing that. It's not. There was a hurricane in Miami. It was 90. It was 98. It was 98 when that happened. But yeah, that's the only time in my life where UCLA has been like really relevant in football, and in basketball. You know, obviously they were the dominant program of the 60s and 70s, and they won a national title in 1994. But that's it. My, my guess is because it's a national brand with a huge alumni base that's based in Los Angeles. And so it felt like a really good marketing but they don't, idea. But, yeah, but forgive me if this is a dumb question. Are they a national brand? That's what I'm UCLA? saying. UCLA? Absolutely. Come in on. in I, the I same guess, way but, you think of Texas and Ohio State and Alabama and, and Georgia even, UCLA's on the same national brand level as those? I actually know a UCLA fan, believe it or not. He's from L.A., but like it's just... I don't see it. This it feels like you're investing in like the the twelfth best fast food chain and expecting it yeah. to, to overtake McDonald's. Yeah, I would love to know what the performance metrics that UCLA did not meet. I mean, was it based on results on the field, or were they supposed to get signage that they weren't getting, or what? I mean, Under Armour does not spell those things out specifically, and I guess maybe the only way that we'll get that information if it is if it ends up in litigation. But Under Armour as a company has been hemorrhaging money for the last three or four years, and they've got a stock that's now under $10 a share. 
after being up around $50 a share a few years ago, and they've had some some pretty serious issues. And so my guess is they looked at this and were like, you know what? They haven't completely fulfilled the contract, whether they intended to or not. We can save some dollars here. We're out. sports has ranked its top 10 college football backfields going into the 2020 season. Interesting look at some of what we will see coming into the fall. Number 10 on the list is Georgia. They put Zamir White, who had three touchdowns and 408 yards on 78 carries as the star, with James Cook as the backup. But quarterback is part of the backfield as well, and they say the wild card is who starts at quarterback. Although we kind of all assume that it's going to be Jamie Newman. Number nine on the list is Ole Miss. They rank the backfields in terms of the star, the backup, and the wild card. The star... Jerrion Ely, 104 carries for 722 yards and six touchdowns as a freshman. The backup, Snoop Connor, 81 carries, 512 yards, five touchdowns as a freshman. The wild card? Who starts at quarterback, part two. Here's what uh, Bleacher Report says. Just like at Georgia, the quarterback competition will play a massive role in just how potent the rushing attack is. John Rice Plumley actually had more rushing attempts than pass attempts last year. 154 rush attempts, 150 pass attempts, while leading Ole Miss in both rushing yards and touchdowns, 10, 23, and 12, respectively. Says redshirt freshman Grant Tisdale has serious dual-threat potential, but if Kiffin opts for the more pro-style Matt Corral, the overall rushing threat diminishes. Here's what 24-7 Sports says about it. Maybe the most impressive thing about Ely is that the former five-star recruit averaged almost seven yards per carry as a freshman. It'll be intriguing to see if an increased workload will mean bigger and better things for Ole Miss this season. This is a a player that Lane Kiffin is sure glad he's inheriting. Did you avoid saying the real yards per carry just so Haydad wouldn't say nice? No. (laughs) I did not. (laughs) I just try to keep decimals out of the radio <laughs> conversation as much as possible. They rank Oregon as the eighth best backfield in the country with C.J. Verdell, who had 1,220 yards and eight touchdowns last year. Travis Dye had 106 carries but did not score. A new offensive line, they say, is the wild card. What was it? Four seniors uh, on that offensive line a year ago, I think. Louisville's got a pretty potent backfield going into year number two for Scott Satterfield. Javian Hawkins had 1,525 yards and nine touchdowns last season. Hassan Hall had 501 yards and five touchdowns. And then they've got a redshirt freshman in Aiden Robbins that they are also high on. Ohio State. They got a guy to replace. They got a pretty good one there. Master Teague is expected to be the star in the backfield. What a name. That's pretty strong. Not going to have to change it, is he? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, 789 yards and four touchdowns. Trey Sermon is the backup. Also had four touchdowns with Oklahoma. So a transfer. Yeah, and then Justin good. Fields is the wild card. 
How's he the wild card? Ten rushing touchdowns last year for Fields on 137 carries. The Buffalo Bulls are listed as number five. I'm sorry, but we'll just skip over that. Did have 2,000-yard rushers last year, though. That's pretty impressive now. Jarrett Patterson had 1,799 yards and 19 touchdowns, and Kevin Marks, the backup, on 227 carries, 1,035 yards and eight touchdowns. Did they throw the football at all? Apparently not. Hashtag always run, never pass, in effect. Patterson, 312 carries. Marks, 227 carries. A combined 539 rushing attempts between those two guys. Wow. Buffalo was one of three teams in the country, along with Central Michigan and Oklahoma, to have multiple 1,000-yard rushers last year. Penn State's Journey Brown, 890 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. Noah Kane, the backup, had eight rushing touchdowns. Sean Clifford is listed as the wild card. Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard, 328 carries last year, 2,094 yards, and 21 touchdowns. His backup is Spencer Sanders, who had over 100 carries and uh, a little over 600 yards rushing. Number two, Alabama. Najee Harris last year, 1,224 yards rushing, 1,224 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns on 209 carries. His backup is a redshirt freshman, Trey Sanders. Going out on a limb here, bet he's talented. <laughs> he's just the and the potential one, wild card for Alabama. running back in uh, the country his senior year. Yeah. And then they redshirted him. Did he play in the four games last year? I think he was injured. I could be wrong. Because they've got no carries for him. I think I think he got injured before the start of the season. And then uh, Bryce Young is the true freshman, is the wild card. Here's what Bleacher Report says. If Mac Jones locks down the starting job, there won't be many rushing yards from the quarterback in Tuscaloosa. 28 rushing yards in his career, 26 of those unexpectedly on Alabama Alabama's final possession of last year's Iron Bowl. But if Young gets the job, expect more mobility. And the number one backfield in the country, Clemson Tigers. Travis Etienne, 19 TDs last year, a little better than 1,600 yards rushing on 207 carries. How about the, how about the efficiency there? Okay, so let's rewind to Chuba Hubbard just for a second at Oklahoma State. 328 carries, 2,094 yards. Travis Etienne had. 110, 115 fewer carries and only about 375 fewer yards. Lynn J. Dixon is the backup, 104 carries, 635 yards. And Trevor Lawrence is the, the wild card. Well, I feel like his athleticism continues to be underrated. Yeah. He rushed it 103 times last year for 563 yards and nine touchdowns. Sorry, Hayden, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, that's okay. I was just making a joke. I was like, he's got that Brady athleticism. But he actually actually, he actually is a good athlete. He can run a little he, bit. He runs like an avatar, but... 
Now I can't ever unsee that. Oh. <laughs> his running ability is what beat Ohio State. I mean, yeah. that was the difference in that game. Ohio State had them beat in a couple of calls, probably went Clemson's way in a favorable way. But um, him running the football and that good defense was the difference. He's an athlete. 24-7 Sports says about um, Clemson, one of the most shocking decisions we saw when it came to returning to school was ETNs. The two-time All-ACC threat shocked the world in January when he announced a return to Clemson, citing unfinished business and a point to prove to his family. He went for just shy of 800 yards with 13 touchdowns as a freshman. We mentioned the numbers last year and an FBS leading 24 touchdowns. I'm sorry, that was as a sophomore. 1,659 yards as a sophomore with 24 touchdowns. And then last year as a junior, 16-14 and 19 while averaging 7.8 yards per carry. wonder why he came back. Maybe the whole prove the point to a family. Maybe there was someone that, you know, important to him in his life that he had promised he was going to get a degree. Never know. So... Three SEC teams on that list. Alabama at number two, Ole Miss at number nine, and Georgia at number ten. Are you surprised to not see Mississippi State? I mean, I know it's a transfer quarterback, but still a quarterback that's done things at the Power Five level, the SEC's well, leading rusher returning. But he's that, a passer, not a runner. It, it feels like yeah, this is about the running game. Yeah. And Costello is not a runner. Yeah. If Schrader were st- it's still a quarterback, then yeah. Then I would Oh yeah, absolutely. Who's Kylan Hill's backup? Uh, right now, it's if you had to make a right out of depth chart today, it's probably Lee Witherspoon. But I think that freshman uh, Jaquavius Marks will be that guy uh, by the middle of the season. Almost picked up a uh, a football uh, signing today. Yeah, it was a Not guy a, that had been committed for a while, right? But but academically eligible kid out of uh, Florida, four star wide receiver Mark Britt. Recently graduated from Dade Christian School in Miami. Ranked by both rivals and ESPN as a four-star wide receiver. Part of the ESPN 300. 29th ranked wide receiver in the uh, in the country. Speaking of that, State got a commitment today, too. Yeah, had two in three days. Had a four-star receiver on Saturday, Teddy Knox, and a three-star safety, Mizell Williams, uh, today. As part of the 2021 class or eligible? 2021. 2021. Okay. Yeah. Real yeah, I, actual, you know, yeah, different, different, different situation there. Yeah. So, uh, Mark Britt will be part of the 2020 class and will start practicing with Ole Miss this summer. And uh, Mike Leach adding a couple of commitments to the 2021 class over the last couple of days.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.